Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin and how did they end? Let's find out on The Fan of History, Episode 11. Last time on The Fan of History, we talked about the very first year of the Neo-Assyrian Empire. In 9-11, Adad Nirari II went forth from Asher, which is northern Iraq, to reconquer the empire the Assyrians had lost. So, let's talk a little bit more than that about the 11th, what was lost in the 11th century BC, with my good friend Dan, the fan of history. Hi, Brennan. Hey, Dan. I'm ready! All right, let's do this thing. Yeah, we're going to talk about Adad Nirari II, the first king of the Neo-Syrian Empire. And he is also the high priest of the church, is the wrong word, but the religion of Asher. And the gods tell him, the god Asher tells him to go out, beat people up. And he will have three main targets, one campaign a year, three targets. The targets are the lands to the northwest of Assyria in the high mountains. They're called Kabku and the Nairi lands. He's going to go south into Babylonia. And then he has this Aramean infestation problem, which is all around him, where these Arameans are camping out and wrecking stuff. And that will not do. He will have eight campaigns against the Arameans during his reign as king. We have three different sources uh, from the Assyrians. All the sources are Assyrians, so they can lie as much as they want to, <laughs> and we will believe them. But the goal of the great king is to restore the middle Assyrian empire that was lost. And I think at some point, uh, probably around episode 20 or something, we'll do a full episode about how this army works. But uh, for now, uh, the army will undergo some tremendous changes in the next episode. So 
this is still quite early. In uh, 909 BC, Adadnir II attacks the Suku. The Suku are an Aramean tribe. Uh, the campaign of uh, the years of some campaigns are uncertain, and for the sake of the narrative, I will just insert them at some point and make an educated guess about which year oh, sure. it happened. This campaign is such a campaign, right? So it's not very clear which year this is, but this is early in the reign, and the Suku are defeated. They obey, they bow down to Ashur, they will pay tribute to the Assyrian king. So what's, uh, so what's happening in Egypt at this time? Well, Egypt is having a great time, and it's actually really bad for Egypt that this time is so great, but they don't know it at this point, so let them be happy. <laughs> There's peace and prosperity. Osorkon the first is the second pharaoh of the 22nd dynasty. He was the son of Shoshenk, and he is recorded as giving an enormous amount of silver to the temples. This amount of silver is ridiculous. So he's either lying or he is much richer than, for example, Tutankhamun. Uh, he restores uh, the temple of Bastet at Bubastis, and he builds a small temple at uh, Atum. He also built a fortress, which uh, the archaeologists have not found yet. Hmm. Um, stuff in Egypt is not usually destroyed by nature, so this right. fortress might be around somewhere below the sands. Uh, there's also a strong relationship between the Egyptians who are trading with the Phoenicians in Lebanon. So, and you remember the Phoenicians kept all the records. They are the, the, the fathers of the alphabet. Right. Their records are kept on papyrus, so they are all lost to us. But we have uh, the Egyptians keep the record in stone. <laughs> so Osorkon sends a statue of himself to Byblos in Phoenicia. And this statue has survived. And we know who was king in Byblos because Eli Baal, the king of Byblos, he wrote his name at the bottom of the statue <laughs> like, oh, I received this, Eli Baal. <laughs> but everything else about this guy's reign in Byblos is lost. But Osorkon is obviously very powerful, and the, the source of the wealth in Egypt is, of course, as always, the Nile. Right. You have four harvests a year, and people have time to do other stuff like getting wealthy or <laughs> building stuff for the pharaoh. So, but while Egypt looks so good at this time, uh, they are not... Uh, making any inventions, they are not adapting, they don't care about what's happening in the politics, they don't probably don't even know about uh, what's going on in Assyria and that will come back to haunt them later but for now, Egypt is at peace, ruled by a single pharaoh in uh, 908 BC Assyria goes to war against Babylon for the very first time this is sometimes said to happen in 910 but I, my estimate is that it happened in 908. Uh, Adarniroi II records this campaign. Babylon is still ruled by Shamash Mudamik, the guy who became the king in the last episode. And there is this contested area in the northeast of Babylon and in the southeast of Assyria, where sort of people, the cities will become very pro-Assyrian in time because they are used to the Assyrians coming in and conquering them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But in this very first battle, the Assyrians seems to have won, and Babylonia gives up some land. And there is an ancient text preserved about uh, Adad-Nirari II, 
you want to read this in your best uh, Assyrian voice? <laughs> All right. Let me give this. Let me give this a try. He who brought about the defeat of Samus Mudamik, king of Cardunias, from Yalman to the river Turan, from Lahiro to Ugar Salu, to the border of Assyria, or the land of the cultic city of Der, I conquered Arafa and Lubdu, the fortresses of Cardunias I added to Assyria. So he did. <laughs> and in 907 to 902 BC, Adad-Nirari II goes to war again. It's unclear which year he did what, but he fought the Arameans. He fought in the Kabku. And the Kabku is sort of the area right to the north of Assyria, right to the south of the lands of Nairi, south of Lake Van. And these are both banks of the upper Tigris. And in the future, this area will be part of Urartu and will be a very contested area between Assyria and Urartu. But Urartu is not yet around. The tribes to the north have not united to face the threat of the Assyrians yet. So this is probably a cakewalk for Adad-Nirari II. <laughs> and the poor people, uh, of they were actually beat up by the Middle Assyrian Empire as well. So they, they remember how this is done. But they, they have no chance against the Assyrians at this point. Could they just lay down their weapons and not be, like, throttled? Or does it really matter? Yes, yes, they could. Okay. Yes, uh, you can you always have the option to submit, but there is a fee. You have to pay the tribute. And these people should have been able to pay the tribute, but uh, uh, for some reason, maybe just pride, maybe just because they know that the Assyrians will not stay around. The Assyrians are not equipped to be in the mountains, really. So whenever they have to go in the summer and wherever weather turns bad, the Assyrians are really out of their element. They will eventually solve this, but uh, not at this point. So mm. the Assyrians are like bad weather coming through <laughs> and then just hide and then come back when they're gone. Right. All right. So is there what's going on in other parts of the world like India? Well, India is a problem area. Uh, history doesn't get, uh, uh, written history doesn't get very good until much, much later in India. Mm. But we know something, so I will mention areas like this some of the time. I will do it less than I've done on the YouTube show, I think, because okay. it's so repetitive. But you have this strong, uh, two strong kingdoms in the north, uh, dominated by Aryans. Uh, it's Kuru and Panchala. Kuru is the stronger one. Uh, there is a guy called India. We, we will butcher a lot of names in this show, but now I'll butcher an Indian name. Uh, this guy is India Jainavalkya, and he writes the Shatapata Brahmana, in which he describes the motions of the sun and the moon. This is one of the Vedas, and it, it comes down to us orally, uh, like all the Vedas. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the right English pronunciation, right? Vedas, yes. Uh, so, but he is credited to having lived around 900 BC. But just to show you how bad the Indian record is, uh, there is a city on Sri Lanka called Anarudapura. Mm -hmm. The historical record says that this city was founded in the 5th century BC, but during archaeological digs in Anarudapura, uh, they found stuff from the 10th century BC. So the city was actually around 
600-500 years before wow. history says it was. And we, we'll get back to Anuradhapura and the Sinhalese at a much, much later date. Okay. Uh, we also have the Olmecs in uh, Mexico. Uh, this, there is a big uh, uh, change. There was a big change in 950. We talked about how the center of Olmec civilization, their capital in a sense, but it's rather their religious center, uh, moved uh, San Lorenzo, the old center, fell into decline in 950, and in 900 BC, it's abandoned. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And La Venta is now where things are going on with the Olmecs. And they're still rising to power. Uh, San Lorenzo was an agricultural site and it was very sort of located in a very nice place. Right. Uh, but uh, La Venta is in a swamp and it's much easily defended and much easier to defend. So we can assume that there is some problem with Olmecs. And San Lorenzo went down because of everything. If you, when archaeologists have looked at the site of San Lorenzo, they found warfare. Mm-hmm. There was environmental change. There was economic decline. Uh, there was other places like La Venta rising up uh, nearby, taking sort of the attention of San Lorenzo. And even the rivers changed their course, uh, which meant that they had no running water in San Lorenzo anymore. So at this point, people just say, what the heck, move away from San Lorenzo. And most of these people go to La Venta. I wonder what could have changed the rivers. Yeah, I think uh, it was a natural change. Oh, okay. That the rivers actually, rivers change their course uh, sometimes. And this, so it was a really bad place to be at this point. (laughs) I didn't know if if some rival was damming up the, uh, (laughs) the river. The, the interesting thing is that we know of no rival. There is no civilization nearby. Wow. So whatever warfare, no civilization that is close to being able to rival the Olmecs. So whatever warfare happens, it happened, it was probably the Olmecs doing it to themselves. Wow. Uh, 
Uh, well, back to the action sure. in Assyria. <laughs> Adad Nirari. There is an important point about the Assyrians that is often forgotten. They are at their heart warriors, but they are also traders. And the first Assyrian empire was pretty much a trade empire. So the Assyrians will always understand trade, promote trade. And the purpose of the roads they build and stuff is always to enable trade as well. Sure. And this will um, make them treat the Phoenicians very, very lightly because they understand that the Phoenicians have the power to uh, extend the trade routes into the Mediterranean. And the Assyrians are kind of scared of the sea. So they like, okay, the Phoenicians can handle the sea. So at this point, there is trade with the Phoenicians. The trade routes are again being opened. And Adad Nurari II really strengthens trade as well. So he's not only a mindless warrior. He is a greedy warrior. And the Arameans have realized that they have the option to turn peaceful and be assimilated into empire, assist these trade routes and actually profit from them. So uh, this reduces the Aramean determination to resist the empire. But there is a people called the Temanites. They are never mentioned by anyone else ever, as far as I know. But they are uh, around, and they are ruled by two different rulers. One of them is Nur Adad, and one of them is Mukuru. And they are now right in the way of the Assyrian expansion. Uh, their capital is called Nasibina. In the YouTube show, I tried to find this on a map, and I think I got the point down, but they are in the foothills of the Kashiari mountain range in a place that's called Tur Abdin today. But all you need to know is that it is right in the way of Adad Nirari II. And uh, he strikes against Nuradad of the Temanites, but the other Temanite leader uh, possibly assists uh, his brother or his friend, and uh, the Assyrians win probably, but it's not decisive at all. So the the Temanites are still around, causing problems for the Assyrians by being in the way. Uh, I'll uh, skip right over to Europe, this great place <laughs> that will become so important in history, but it's not important at this point. Uh, the next show we'll make will be about the great civilization of the 900 BC. So we will repeat some stuff from this. But there, this is the time when we first can start to talk about uh, the second phase of the Villanovan culture. And the Villanovans are the precursors of the Etruscans, who will become a huge influence on the Romans. And also at this point, there are already Latin people living on the Palatine Hill in Rome. So there is settlement that could be called Rome around. But Rome's early history is just filled with myths and legends. Mm-hmm. And Rome will not be talked about until 616 BC. Except that I will mention in 753 BC that Romulus and Remus probably did not exist and probably did not suckle a wolf. What? <laughs> don't, don't, don't you talk about Romulus and Remus that way, sir. <laughs> You will be struck down. <laughs> I'll talk more about the Villanovans because they are they are the only interesting thing that happens in Europe at this point. <laughs> Except for maybe some Greeks having survived the Bronze Age collapse, but we'll talk more about them in the next century as well. Okay. Over in China, King Gong of China dies and is succeeded by King Ji, 
we know very little Gong, but we know a little more about Yi. China has turned really poorly documented compared to the start of the 10th century BC. But um, King Yi has a brother called Xiao. Mm-hmm. And he's like uh, he's he's like scar to G's uh, Mufasa. Oh, no. So he's like, oh, my brother is the king. I don't really like this. Uh, what can I do? So we'll we'll find out more about that. The, the, um, the, does he drop his brother into a herd of antelope? That might actually have been what happened, but we'll we'll talk more <laughs> about that. Next time. This might be the source of the like, No, it isn't. Oh, but, um, <laughs> you got my hopes all up. <laughs> we also have the Proto-Polynesians, the Lapita culture. They are uh, going around the Pacific Ocean on their raggedy canoes. And they reach Samoa around this time. Those, uh, yeah, those people are fascinating. Yes. Traveling all those distances on those crazy canoes. Yeah, the Lapita culture is very much overshadowed by the Polynesians right. uh, because the Polynesians will find New Zealand and Eastern Ireland and stuff. But uh, this is the the precursor, really. They are they are going long distances on these canoes. Right. I don't know if it's and, true or not, but what I heard was they could lay down in their tiny canoes, you know, and they could feel just by the wave of the water where, which side was closest to land. Well, that would explain a couple of things. Yeah, that's I, I I read that and that's always stuck with me. I just think that's that's incredible. It seems so random to just go out on the Pacific, huh. which is probably the most dangerous ocean in the world, in a canoe, and that's maybe I'll find land, maybe not. Uh, let's see. <laughs> and they so what, what's the loss rate of uh, guys? Is it ninety percent didn't come back? <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know, but it seems like seems like it would have to be lower than you would expect. Otherwise, why would they keep doing it, you know? Yeah, there must have been some sort of system or something. It like, you go this far, then turn back. Right. They must have been masters at navigation. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. And all this done without the written language. Amazing. <laughs> which is sad for us. <laughs> That's true. All right. right. Um so what else is uh, what else is going I on? I think that's it for uh, the nine, uh, the last decade of the 10th century BC. All right. Well, folks, brings us to the end of another episode. So let's talk about what are we going to hear next time in the 900s BC. It's a uh, Adad. Really. Uh, I, uh, I screwed up these notes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, uh, next time we'll talk about uh, all the civilizations of the world in 900 BC. It will be much like our first show, but it will be an update to see what the world is like in 900 BC. So that could be a starting point to listen to the podcast. Oh wow! And then we'll go to the 890s BC, where we will talk about. We'll talk about Adad now. Hold on, I'll get this. Adad Nirari the second. He faces a new Babylonian king and also versus the Temanites. Also, the new Chinese version of Scar, or the original, wants to banish Simba. Oh, oh history, why are you so cruel making me feel this way? Can the Neo-Assyrian Empire survive the death of its first ruler? I guess you'll have to find out. Again, 
if you enjoyed the show, please consider our Patreon, patreon.com slash fan of history. If you're watching this, yeah. uh-huh. I'll add something about Patreon. Sure. Like Patreon is a way to uh, donate to the show, but instead of like donating by PayPal that you say, okay, I donate $1 a month, you set up, you donate $1 per episode. So we actually have to produce the episodes to get the donation. There's also milestone goals. So we set up goals that if we can reach that amount of money on the page, and we will do stuff for you. So it's sort of a, a commitment and a, a contract with the listeners. So if you want to support this show, uh, please do so via Patreon. We would very much appreciate it. Also, please visit us on YouTube. YouTube slash fan of history, subscribe, like, and share. And this is also on iTunes. So please give us a review on iTunes and we thank you for listening. Thanks guys. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash fan of history. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks. And see you next time.